Welcome to Sucks Time again for the first time. I was kind of hoping that when I was going slow enough, you might like get the hint that you could do it with me and it would be like in unison, like we sort of planned it that way. We could have actually planned it that way. You know, I don't plan anything. Um, That's the biggest lie that I've ever heard you tell today. (laughs) Just today? Yeah. What's What's the second biggest lie I told today? Um... Oh, it's when we were looking at the strengths finder thing and you were like, that doesn't describe me. And we were like, we all know that it does. Anyway. Um, so we, let's just, you know, the man behind the curtain type of thing, how the sausage is made. We had tried recording this the other night um, and we recorded a very brief part and then somehow the recording is gone. Uh, to summarize what happened during that recording, uh, Badger adopted two new animals, one of which is a gerbil that got the name Hey Penny that I had suggested for a rabbit, but uh, wasn't suitable for the rabbit. So the gerbil has the name Hey Penny. And then uh, the main purpose of your adoption visit to the Oregon Humane Society was to pick up a mouse that Jordan was very fond of. Yes, he loves his little mouse, Ralph. Yeah, so that mouse had been there for a couple of months, and that is a huge percentage of a mouse's lifetime. Yeah, especially since that mouse is already a year old. And Jordan's already made a lot of headway in taming the mouse. Uh, Ralph will sit in his hand now, and um, I've held Hey Penny a couple times. Hey Penny, um, adopted out as a female, has a penis, which is why large shelters really have no business adopting out exotics small animals it still baffles me that like small rodents are considered exotics well it's just because of the veterinarian training that they have to get in order to be able to effectively treat rodents uh, and rabbits and avians and lizards so that's that's what is denoting exotic it's not like exotic to a u.s household Mm -hmm. it's the treatment i see um other than that we also discussed how um whether or not it's for the good of the order more of our coworkers know about this podcast um and uh we had initially talked about how chelsea listens who you had told about but didn't you didn't know she was listening she's yeah i mean why would anyone I know, right? Um, She's only listened to a few episodes, but she has listened. And um, on the day we initially recorded, I had told Sam about the podcast. I've since learned he has listened. He uh, likes it? Gigantic question mark. And um, he had seen Sex in the City, but not 
Adventure Time. So he wants to watch Adventure Time now, which is, I think, your job done, right? Because you just want to spread the joy that is Adventure Time. Yeah. And a lot of people do now want to watch it. Emily wants to watch it. Kate wants to watch it, maybe. I don't think she actually does. She should. Does anybody want to? Does anybody want to watch Sex in the City? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that just made Kingsley turn and look at me. Um, he's in trouble um, because I was uh, letting Nala out onto the catio when I got home and he pounced on her and he like almost took her down. Um, and since she has her hair cut right now, you can really see their size disparity. She's about half the size that he is. So he's been... He's been excluded from my eye contact and attention for the last hour. I have so many naughty pets that are so naughty for various reasons. There are no consequences. Really can't keep track of it. <laughs> I can I can add some photos to our, our Twitter uh, showing how big the hole in my sheets is that the rabbit ripped this past week. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that you can't keep track of it reminds me of a recent episode of Good Christian Fun where they were reviewing the show about the Duggars. At the time, it was called 17 Kids and Counting. They were like, man, you could get away with like anything when you're one of that many kids. <laughs> you could just go missing for a week and no one would notice. <laughs> so, in a way, you have your own like quiverful household, but it's all fur, fur babies. Yeah, and I didn't make any of them. I Thank saved God. them from being killed. Um, so let's just quickly run through some shout outs other than um, who we've already discussed. Um, my friend Kristen, who I actually have not met in person yet. We know each other through the gigantic fandom that is the the tens of listeners for Too Beautiful to Live. She is in the Portland area. We had initially added each other on Facebook because there was a plan at one point to go get soup dumplings that has not yet materialized, but she's a listener and I'm excited about that because obviously if she loves Too Beautiful to Live and she listens to us, she must have excellent taste in podcasts, right? I don't listen to either of those podcasts. Us or that, right? (laughs) Anyway, it's good and we're good. Um, Who else is great? Taylor. Wow, Taylor's really, like, he's, like, boosting us right now. Yeah, he's, like, consistently doing that. Um, He found pictures of us, too, to share online of you, a robot, and me, a Victorian ghost. Yeah, because you're the Victorian ghost, you haunt. Yeah. You spook. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. Um, Mostly I whisper when we start talking about sex. (laughs) Yeah. so uncomfortable um uh lisa will um emily as always kate Kate, who spent money to listen to us which is still baffling i hope she's getting a good roi because oh my god (laughs) um sam yeah well we already shouted out the new ones yeah. They have to earn being in the weekly rotation. Yeah, we did. We were a little, we rode the bus up to work today and we're both a little mortified about, like, oh, I didn't think anybody would actually listen to this. I didn't think coworkers would actually listen to this. The things we've said. We can't make <laughs> eye contact with some people now. Or we can only make eye contact with them. Let's just, like, sustain eye contact for a really uncomfortable amount of time. Yes. 
Go because <laughs> we were like, I, I said that I've slept with about 50 people and it's not enough. Kelly said that she had a, what is it, a chemical miscarriage? Probably. Yeah. I didn't even know until like a couple of years later because it's like, oh, I thought, oh, it's like an erroneous positive pregnancy test. But then a friend of mine who was in the process of trying to get pregnant was like, oh, yeah, you were probably pregnant. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Good. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this information other than just carry it with me forever. Yeah, I'm sharing it on the podcast. Unlike that fertilized egg. <laughs> What was it that you said that I said I was going to tell everyone on the podcast and you were like, I can never tell you anything again? I'm not going to tell you because if you want to remember those things to shame me in a public venue, you have to do the work on that yourself. I didn't think it was a a shameful thing. It was funny. We haven't done Kelly's Contradiction Corner in a little while. I don't have anything really locked and loaded for that. That's because I've been pretty good lately. Pretty good. I mean, we did discuss your workplace tone earlier today. Well, I am the kind of person who's either 100% sure she's right or 100% sure she's a failure. And when I think I'm right, I'm insufferable. And I know this about myself and I'm trying to be better. That's not what we talked about. That's that was part of what we talked about. That was are, part of it. That's not the that's not the crux of what we talked about. What did we talk about? We talked about how um, somebody has accused you of using condescending and patronizing tones, and I said you do that a lot. And you said, "See, I just do it to everyone." And I said, "Yeah, it's not good. You really need to dial it back." But it is universal, so no one can say that I'm targeting them. Right, but it's that's besides the point of like, this is a known thing about you. And I know you want to be a manager eventually, so I think you can have your tone and be insufferable when you're right, or you can be a manager. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. I am, I am, I am. I just, I don't know any working. good, good leaders in any settings that are that that use that tone frequent with the frequency that you do. Wow! And sometimes you level it at me with really no prompting. So um, about Sex in the City, <laughs> I am working on it. Okay, I know that's what you said. And I what, mean it. What can I do to help you? I don't know. When I tell you when I tell you stories about something serious that happened in my life, you and Will could not interrupt me with jokes as I'm trying to tell it. Okay, but that'd be we're, helpful. We're hilarious. Um, but no, that's something that that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, what can what can we do to help you in the moment realize that you are using a tone that people are are taking note of and it's not good just use um maybe like a keyword that doesn't like make people turn their heads and go like i wonder why she said rutabaga right then or whatever what's the key what's the keyword i don't know the first word that came to mind was chickadee but that's not any better than rutabaga um Um, maybe i'll just cough 
But you have asthma. You might do that anyway. Maybe I will. I don't know. If I looked at you, would you would you pick that up? Or would you be like too in your moment? No, I can be pulled out of that moment. Well, let's take as the, the people who in leadership, they say this frequently. Let's talk about that offline. Um, <laughs> um, and then we'll see whatever we can do that is value add. Great. Great. You're being more managerial already. Okay. Because I'm parroting jargon. Good. I'll note that in the, in the how to be a manager section of my bullet journal. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying I, I don't have any fond things to say about managers who loved to say how much, how right they are. I know. I think that part of my frustration stems from, um, I, I just, I feel a lot right now, like I did when I was coaching the debate team at PSU. It's just like, I don't know what I can do to be taken seriously. And so I'm probably just like reacting very knee jerk about my feelings of like lack of validation and some insecurity. I'm working on it. I'm going to probably talk about the the thing that has happened this week um, with my therapist next week because it's a big thing. Um, I can't go into too much detail because it's a confidential thing. You can't go into any detail. Um, but there's a thing that happened and I need to talk to some people about it. I'm fine. Everything's going to be fine, but it is, it's a thing that happened and I'm, and I'm going to deal with it. Good. And remember, I am a religious counselor. Um, yeah, that's why I was able to share some details with you and you are not going to tell them to anyone else. Correct. Yep. Um, so with that, now that we've had like a, I don't know, come to Jesus talk, (laughs) Because you're a religious counselor, mm-hmm. um, uh, do we want to talk about sex in the city? Because well, we might as well. That w- what's happening in real life is much more interesting than that episode, which is uh, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They all are. This was. I thought the Miranda arc was particularly uncomfortable. Okay, so let's uh, get into this. This is the uh, season finale of the first season of Sex and the City, which um, one of the things that's been kind of frustrating you, I think, this week is that it is the 20th anniversary of when the pilot aired. So the media is like going crazy posting stories and retrospectives and things like that, um, like everywhere. So the episode we're talking about today is season one, episode 12, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. And there is a very um, big featuring of religious themes and tropes and stuff in this episode. So, um, and I think Miranda is kind of the cornerstone of that. So uh, let's talk about Miranda's storyline and what you found troubling about it. Yeah. So Miranda's arc is that she is dating this guy. uh, She really likes him and the sex is really good, but he has to jump up to shower immediately after every time. And that's not necessarily the troubling thing. It's just the angle that they show them screwing is like the least flattering angle of any human. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't look fun. Mm -hmm. And it's a little rough to watch. And the guy's like sweaty and he's got loose curly hairs all over his head. And she's apparently loving it. Yeah. And that 
does not seem plausible. No, because he, whenever he's he's done, she's just like, yeah, that was that was great. Like, did she really get all that she wanted out of that? Unlikely. I don't Seems feel like unlikely. I don't feel like these women are ever honest with their partners about their end of the bargain. But sure, <laughs> maybe Samantha is, but I don't think any of the other ones are. Um, maybe who? Samantha. I think. Well, Samantha's thing in this was that she was also hiding. Uh, her disappointment from from a man. Oh, damn man, the communication in the show is baffling. Um, <laughs> so one thing I found funny-ish, I guess, about Miranda's trope or theme or whatever she's doing is um how she, if she had known that he was a Catholic or was Christian, she wouldn't have dated him. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem fair. But then I was thinking about it today and I was not necessarily because of her, but it just came up in my mind for, I don't know, because my brain is restless. Like, I don't think, I think that's a, so you haven't watched Difficult People, have you? Mm-mm. So the very first episode, I just rewatched because it came on after I finished something else. And I was like, yeah, I liked the show. I'll watch it again. So um, Billy Eichner's character, um, who's also named Billy, um, was she, like discussing with Julie, like what's a bigger turnoff, something or like Judaica, and they were like, oh Judaica, and I'm like, oh I think that's me, but with like Christianity, <laughs> it's like he he is like um, dealing with an ex that he's getting over, and he like wants him back, but then he finds out that his ex is like wearing a yarmulke again and going back to like his rabbi, and he's like, nope, never mind, bye. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm and I and I kind of feel like that might be the Miranda esque behavior of like, um, if I had known, I probably just would have avoided it in the first place. But um, do you think that religion inherently is a turnoff, um, in in your opinion, or is that just kind of like a really unfounded um, categorization that she has? Yeah, it, I don't think it is inherently. I, I think it depends on how like dedicated or weird people want to get with it. He's super weird about his. Yeah, he like blows up when she makes a joke about him showering every time after and goes on this whole naked rant about how, oh, is this the gospel according to Miranda and all my sins are absolved and I'm not going to hell? Then he takes a shower and says that he wants her gone by the time he's done. And uh, he's also a playwright. And uh, apparently his diatribe makes it into a future play of his. Uh, I didn't catch that. Oh, it was in the voiceover from Carrie. Oh. Like that exact monologue showed up at a play six months from then or something like that. Oh. Um, So so there's a weird performative aspect of his freak out for him. Um, and I think once again, not a guy that's especially attractive. I don't know what it is. They are all these like soft nineties men. Did I think just that generation just looked weird. Everybody yeah, looks like so different. Do you ever like, um, I feel like there were different facial structures that are like prominent in a lot of, eras and I think that that might have to do with like styling and makeup but there are like people have some faces that I would say like oh that's a 70s face and I guess like the 90s face is just kind of like bulbous and 
bland. Jawless. Yeah. The the heavy jaw is back, I'm happy to say. Who's a good example of the heavy jaw? Um, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, all the Chris's. Anyone in a Marvel film. Anyone in a Marvel film. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael B. Jordan. Just anyone anyone in a Marvel film. <laughs> we'll go with which, that. Which are the only films that I watch? Um, so Carrie on the theme of religion uh, is curious about, I guess, Miranda's conundrum or like the fact that people in New York don't seem to care much about religion and like churches get turned into clubs where people like hook up and is dating the new religion in the nineties and blah, blah, blah. So she's like poking around churches on a Sunday. Can we just note for a second that, Carrie has like a habit of lurking and like watching people without their consent. Like a few episodes ago when she was watching children playing in a playground for like hours on end. Yeah. She's a little (laughs) bit of a voyeur. And I think that's true to her character because she's writing in her column about all of her friends and their hookups and their relationships. So she's, she's a voyeur. Yeah. That's, that's actually an established trait. I think like from the first episode, Mm Mm-hmm. When all of those women who were filmed without their knowledge or consent was like a turn on for her. Oh, geez. Okay. So she, um, she's hanging around a church on a Sunday and she sees Mr. Big. Which is like, how small is this tiny podunk cow town that she can run into the same person over and over and over? Well, regardless of the setting. Well, hang on, because I think that's kind of addressed in this episode when Charlotte goes to the part of the town that they never talk about in, um, what was it, the New Yorker or New York Magazine or whatever. Um, I think that these women are very, very, like, stuck in a six-block radius of their neighborhoods. They're stuck with all of the other affluent white people with no real problems. (laughs) I think that's possible. Yeah, I mean, people don't travel generally too far outside of their circles. That's how I have so many poke stops that I've never spun before, just a few blocks <laughs> off my bus route. Exactly. But I, I think that also because New York is so densely packed in each of these city blocks with different like restaurants and different services that you really don't have to get go too far to find anything that you need. Um, Because it's all pretty close. So you only go somewhere across town if it's like an especially like unique thing in our, if for work or maybe things like that. So it's a Presbyterian church and um, Big is there with a, um, I don't know, kind of hawkish looking older woman. And it turns out to be his mother. Mm -hmm. And um, she's like really... Um, kind of upset that she's not met his mother and it's you know uh, a thing that she's gonna like dwell on and not even really talk to him about for a while at first because that's how she operates so she and uh, Miranda on a following Sunday show up at the church to snoop essentially Mm-hmm. on on Big and his mother because she's so upset that uh, she hasn't been let into this part of his life she uh, clumsily drops a Bible from the, uh, I don't know, mezzanine level or whatever they're on, draws attention to herself, and then she has to say something afterwards because he, she was seen. 
and um, Big introduces her to his mother as his friend because he can't introduce her to another girlfriend or something like that, um, which makes her feel very much like she's a throwaway type of person, I guess. Yeah, and that's maybe the only relatable moment I've had with her. Oh, let's talk. Let's talk about that. Well, I mean, okay, like like Jordan didn't introduce me to any of his family members or uh, invite me into the house he was staying in for like a long, long time. I was really upset about it. Huh. Because, like, we we got together under somewhat scandalous terms but it's all worked out but he waited a very very long time to to indicate that he felt like comfortable with me hanging out with him and his two friends mm-hmm. uh, or meeting his enormous family probably because he knew that they would love me more than they love him and also I feel like knowing what I know about that situation maybe he didn't he didn't want to put you through the stress of meeting such a large family. It wasn't necessarily about keeping you away from them for like their own good or anything. It's yeah, a big but family. That, like, that's not something he communicated. And I had communicated that I wanted to meet these people. Like I wanted to uh, like take that step and uh-huh. sort of publicly cement this a little more. And he, he really dragged his feet. And now... Uh, now we've got, we've got signals for, um, your mom's been talking to me for five minutes straight and you need to interrupt. Uh, I, um, just, just like a normal couple. Sure. Yeah. I think that is normal. Um, I really, I don't want to get too much into the specifics of my former relationship. Um, aside from my chemical pregnancy, I guess, um, <laughs> because I really have only had one major relationship. And I, I believe that this podcast has been listened to by my former partner. Um, really? But, yeah. I know that it has been because he applauded it. Jeff on- doesn't listen to this, does he? I don't know. I hope not. I hope. Well, I don't care if Jeff listens to it. I used to do a podcast with Jeff. Um, which is how I met my my ex as well. So oh, I miss Jeff so much. I mean, you can just like hang out with Jeff whenever, though. I don't have time, and he has a thousand children, and I have a thousand children, and there's just no time. <sighs> anyway, um, I feel like Big was. I think Big was justified in saying he didn't necessarily want to introduce his mother to somebody, but the way that he um, articulated that to Carrie was a very like indelicate way of saying it. So I kind of get where she's coming from as well. Yeah. And like, they've been dating for a while and he indicates that he doesn't know if he wants to, if this is the relationship he really wants to invest in. Mm-hmm. Carrie's at a point where she does want to invest in the relationship so that's always tough when there's there's that kind of mismatch yeah yes <sighs> so I will say one thing because we don't really talk about the fashion 
and I know you don't give a shit, but the dress that Carrie wore to church, that green and white striped dress, I think was fabulous. I know she wore a hat and I saw the hat and I was like, that's too much. Where did you get that? You did, did you have that? She probably did. you didn't. I bet she did. Ugh. She's, she's has such a big closet. It's a big ass white hat. Yeah. Um, so if you wanted to talk about fashion, we should have brought Emily in, honestly. We will bring Emily in at some point, and I really do mean that we should do that. Um, but that's all I had to say about that. Um, the like B and C plot, or I guess the C and D plot would be that um, Samantha <laughs> went to a jazz club for some reason, and she apparently loves jazz, and it's like, oh, hang on, no one likes jazz. <laughs> I mean, people like like old American jazz that it was like the, you know, early 20th century, that kind of jazz. Yeah, definitely. Modern white New York 1998 jazz. No, thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. But she's apparently like into it and she meets this guy and they, they have chemistry and they hit it off. And she um, is like, I think I'm in love and I think I might be the one. He might be the one and I think we might get married. And then Charlotte has like an existential crisis because the idea of Samantha getting married before her is like unfathomable. And apparently everything's a competition. So she starts to freak out um, and she goes to see a tarot card reader. And she's told that she is not going to get married. And then later in the episode, she um, leaves an event early so she can go to the, like, not great part of town. Yeah, the part of town that nobody ever talks about in The New Yorker is the part of town where she interacts with people of color. This is, like, one of the first people of color this entire season. And I'm maybe the only one who has a speaking part. Um and she goes to a, uh, I guess, I don't know, voodoo, Santeria, something along those lines. It's never really specified. Um, and she gets a reading about her prospects. And they also say, like, yeah, marriage isn't, you're cursed. You're not going to get married. But we can fix it for $100. And she just, like, walks out. Where she regains her faith. Because apparently everything that she's been told from these mystics and ethnic people is bullshit. So. Yeah, so her arc was interesting and not interesting and pointless and I hate her Samantha's arc is a little more interesting because this guy is apparently the one in terms of personality but then he has a micro penis Mm -hmm. I said it without whispering (laughs) (laughs) so she's upset because this is a fundamental part of her um, her future she needs somebody who is going to you know satisfy her in that regard yeah i get that um that's two relatable things wow hey let's go back to the core question was there anything about this episode that you liked um what did miranda do again oh yeah no she had that weird thing um did i like anything i I like um, uh, 
You are trying really hard right now, and I can tell. (laughs) I liked that it was weird when Samantha was crying in the bathroom, and they all went into a bathroom stall together. Yeah. I think that might be a pretty good depiction of, like, real female friendship. Not frenemy friendship. I feel like if you walked out of the room crying, or if I knew you were crying in a bathroom I'd come and find you I was crying in a bathroom a couple weeks ago I don't think you told me at the time or if you did I wasn't able to come to you because of work yeah and I was crying in the bathroom because of work (laughs) yeah are you like so mad at me about the job no I mean I'm like I can afford to take my babies to the vet and that's all I want out of life and health insurance and stuff yep and health insurance and um the last week has has actually been okay i think because i've just not been interacting with um a problematic person Mm -hmm. and i have been interacting with encouraging people Mm -hmm. and i've been kind of taking a more active role with my role um, so I, I, uh, work with somebody who's very, very vague and I thrive on that because to me, that means you can do whatever you want. If I didn't give you clear instructions, do whatever you want. That's not what that means to everyone. Apparently. <laughs> no, um, I know this person in question because I used to be in a role basically the same as yours with this person and the, the lack of clear directions meant I was directionless myself and I um, didn't know what to do with it but you are a very decisive person Um, you take vagueness as a well I know some of the broad strokes so I'm going to do with it what I think is best and I don't have that sort of confidence unless I have very clear outlines so we're very different people in how we work yeah and I think uh, I am happy with um, with that fit I think it's a, a really unique supporting role that I could be yeah, that satisfied with it. And I knowing that I've been in this role and a few other people who have been, that is um, very rare to have that sort of like symbiosis with this person. Um, so you can't ever leave him. That would be, you're just like the best fit for it. So yeah, it's. I'm wildly empathetic with animals and quiet, introverted people. <laughs> and yet, and yet I am your life partner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm neither an animal nor an in, like, like totally reserved. I tell you exactly what I think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> in detail. <laughs> um, and, and yet I am your ESA yeah. Oh, emotional support animal. Yeah. yeah. I have um, to go and stand calmly next to you. So for, I'll, I'll tell this story because it's not embarrassing because I don't care anymore because I'm a well-beatron. Um, I had never um, gotten my feminine health check, my pap smear. My pap or, smear. And, you know, it was, it was an external examination as well. It wasn't just the spectrum. It was a pelvic exam. So I'd never gotten that. 
and um, what was I 32 and I still hadn't gotten it. Um, so uh, Badger was like, you have to do this. Um, and I was like, uh, how about nah? <laughs> um, but you made me do it. And I talked to my doctor and I got a, uh, thanks to my insurance, I got one um, Valium that cost me a penny because of insurance. And you came to the appointment with me. Um, and you were there when it all happened. And when I discussed with, uh, so this wasn't my regular primary care physician, um, because I have a lot of internalized misogyny or I don't know, I requested a female doctor, which I think wasn't unreasonable. Right. Was it? I always request female doctors. My, my primary care physician is great, but I just, I thought I would feel more comfortable with a woman because, you know, we share some characteristics. Um, anyway. Uh, she was great. I also talked to her about some of the issues I was feeling with depression because the 2016 election was the biggest ca- catastrophe in this entire country, probably. And I am including 9-11 in that um, mm-hmm. categorization. And I was starting to feel amounts of despair that I had never experienced before, even as like a 13-year-old. So I talked to that doctor about, well, Buterin and you were in the room with me. And um, here I am. I'm still here. Yep. All I had to do was sit in the room. Yep. So um, my therapist is like, your friend seems like she influences a lot of your decisions. And I'm like, well, someone has to because it is not me at all. Yeah. I, I, well, I told you the other day, I was like, you're, you would be very manipulable for somebody who wanted to do that. And I don't want to. Yeah. I feel like I I do um, when I seek approval from people um, in my personal life, not too much in my professional life, because I think I can understand boundaries professionally better. But in a personal setting, I would be the kind of person who would just like go overboard trying to get approval. Um, So it's good that I only have like you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll never approve. So, yeah, got a good... um... It's predictable, and that's nice. <laughs> We've known each other a while. Um, yes, uh, ten years next year. Is it ten years next year? I think it was getting close to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while, and here we all are. Yep. Can we talk about Adventure Time? Yes, we can talk about Adventure Time. <laughs> okay. So rainy day something. So it's rainy day daydream or yes, that's right. I have it written down. Um. This was kind of a charming episode. So um, Finn and Jake are like making their plans for the day. And Finn's got all these things he wants to do. Um, Like do a backflip off of their uh, bridge. Rope bridge or something like that. And um, the clouds darken. (laughs) And there's a storm. But it's not a rainstorm. It's a knife storm. It's raining knives. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I... I like this next, you know, several episodes because you can tell that the voice actor is hitting puberty for real. Oh, yeah. Every time I feel like I'm watching this, I'm like, wow, is it getting deeper? Yeah. It's getting deeper. So um, Finn is like all kinds of bummed because now they have to be inside and they can't have their fun. But Jake's like, we've got imagination on our side. And Finn's like, no, nah, I'm like all about what's real. And imagination sucks. 
and I am going to have fun in the real world. Yeah, then Jake starts imagining that the floor is lava and his imagination is so powerful that when Finn puts his foot on the floor, it burns. So let's talk about that for a second. Do you think that it was in the confines of the reality that is Adventure Time, Finn's foot was actually burning? or was No, in, in universe, this was just, this was them like really going with their imaginations. So, um... I don't even know if the knife storm was real. So this was Finn's like suspension of disbelief, but he was unaware that he was suspending his disbelief. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> they, um, sorry, I'm pouring myself a beverage. I don't know if you can hear that. I can't, but we are going to be sponsored by LaCroix. Yeah, that's what I'm pouring is LaCroix. Sure. I'm drinking a LaCroix. I don't have any LaCroix right now. Um, so the floor is lava. Finn's sock, quote unquote, starts smoking. And yeah, um, Jake just goes with it. And is, is it this the point that Jake tells him that there's a an imagination machine, or is that a little bit later? Um, I think it's so. Jake's imagining all this, all this crazy stuff. And Finn's having to, to deal with it. And he says, like, turn your imagination off. And Jake says he can't. Um, oh, that's, <laughs> that's bad parenting, Mama. Um, <laughs> you you, you got to let that baby run free. He, he's um, like, stop imagining so much. He's like, I'm not imagining my eyeballs exploding in my head. And I'm not imagining my brain catch fire <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he decides to imagine an imagination machine that Finn can can turn off. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to get to it, and uh, they have to go through all of these obstacles within their uh, treehouse in order to get to the machine. And Jake um, imagines uh, they have to cross the bridge, and Jake imagines an invisible riddle master, or I guess Jake can see it, but we can't. Um, but Jake can't think of a good riddle. <laughs> Says the <laughs> riddle master. I don't even remember what he asks. It's not good. But he imagines all of these things. And like. He he can see them in his mind. But Finn can't. So um, Finn just is like fighting things. That he can't see. But Jake can. And then there's this umbrella that goes over the bridge. That you know, all the knives start to like. You know accumulate onto. But he can't see it. But Jake can um, like Jake's narrating, so he's telling Finn, like, yeah, you're kicking a troll. No, you've got to kick down. He's a lot shorter than you. Haha, <laughs> you just kicked his wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, do you think that Jake was really imagining these things, or was he just trying to prove to Finn the power of imagination? I think both. Mm-hmm. I think Jake was really imagining those things and, like, got Finn into it enough to that they can still have fun during this knife storm. So um, they finally get up and uh, make it through all of these obstacles. Are you like stacking coins or something? There's something kind of metallic I'm hearing. I'm putting a can down on the table and picking it up. No, it sounds like when someone is rifling through poker chips at a table. It's Uh, not rabbits chewing on a box. Oh, rabbit. 
Um, anyway, they get to the imagination machine and they're going to turn it off. And um, they finally do. Finn turns it off and then Jake gets like hyper normal. Um, yeah, he picks up his viola and he's playing one note. And Finn's like, you're only playing one note. And Jake says, one note is all that is required. And then um, <laughs> Finn, or before that or right after that, Finn is like, tell me something amazing. And Jake's like, I cannot tell you anything amazing for there is nothing amazing that is happening right now. <laughs> and Finn's like, oh no, what have I done? Um, so he realizes he has to use his imagination so he can imagine back the machine and turn Jake's back on. And in the process, he has like some weird ass shit happening in his imagination, which I mean, not super weird, but weird to him because he doesn't like use his imagination. Um, so there's like a tr- troll fairy elf person and he imagines like huge ass arms that it gets that it punches itself with. Yeah. And then all these little penguins show up and take it away and he seems to imagine the penguins pretty well he sees them a lot so and um he has the machine he turns it back on but there's this like fairy that comes and turns it into hyperdrive and it's jake's imagination machine so now jake can imagine everything including including his mom naked (laughs) (laughs) so finn punches the machine back to normal and jake Jake's head like unswells and he says, okay, she's got clothes on now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, um, uh, sort of related to that. Do you ever like when you're trying to fall asleep, think, wow, someone might be falling to their death right now. <laughs> or someone's, someone might be drowning right now. And then you just have to be like, oh, no, I can't sleep now because I'm thinking that somewhere in the world someone is dying a death that I fear the most. No. Yeah, that happens a lot with me. (laughs) (laughs) I pretend that I can breathe underwater so that I can go to sleep. Yeah. I just listen to podcasts to fall asleep usually. Um, What else is there to say about this episode? It's a fun episode. It is a fun episode. I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, Next episode, also pretty fun deals with some some morality issues i think it's just called what have you done yes and what so they go take the ice king out of the ice kingdom wrap him up they arrest him basically and then throw him in a dungeon in the candy kingdom just because princess bubblegum said so mm-hmm. and finn says like no princess explained it all to us and it smash cuts back to princess bubblegum saying go arrest the ice king and throw him in the dungeon (laughs) and that's the entire explanation and she's going to explain to them what happened and they're like what did he do he did nothing and she was going to explain it but then she gets called away so yeah and the candy kingdom is normally like pink and jolly and sunny and now it's just covered in like green mists and all the trees are gnarled. So they um, they have the Ice King in the dungeon. They're not doing a super effective job because his jail cell only has two bars. He could just walk out. But they take away his crown or they took away his crown upon his arrest that had his powers and they are 
listening to him describe that he hasn't done anything and they're starting to say like well I mean are we the bad guys then because we've imprisoned this guy who doesn't appear to have done anything wrong but then he's historically done things wrong so they have the oculus of rehabilitation in the dungeon cell which is an eyeball that sits and takes up the entire ceiling above the cell Mm -hmm. and it says be better. <laughs> I read somewhere that that's actually a reference to Jeremy Bentham's Panopticon. I had a feeling that it was. Yeah, um, it really seems intentional. The Panopticon is like a prison design. Um, Jeremy Bentham was like, I don't know, early 19th century, would you say, is about the time frame, late 18th century? Yeah, something like uh, that. The Panopticon is a, like, prison design where all of the prisoners are held in, like, a radiating pattern from a central point. Um, and you didn't necessarily know whether or not the jailer was watching you. But um, at any given point, you could have been watched from this center uh, of the Panopticon. So the, the, the threat of being watched, even if you weren't actually being watched was enough of a deterrent to enforce behavior um was the theory i don't even know do you know if prisons were actually built using this like no i i think that structure is um too like charles de gaulle airport (laughs) has a panopticon style structure and a (laughs) the labyrinth style insides (laughs) the guggenheim is a spiral (laughs) Um, but I think that Panopticon, in a sense, like, has uh, more of a, an actualization now because, like, in Britain, CCTV is like that. Um, but everything is watchable, even if someone's not watching it on the live feed. So they can always, like, trace things. It's it, uh, If you ever watch crime dramas that are set in Britain, they can reference CCTV and see way the hell more than we can here. Law and Order would be half as long of a show if they had CCTV <laughs> in New York. Um, but like prisons themselves have that sort of, um, because of like cameras and guards and things like that, there is a sort of panopticon ish presence, but it's usually more real than just theoretical, like the theory that someone could be watching you. And there, there has been, you know, like a soft science study showing that people will behave better if there are just eyes painted on a wall. Wow. Back to Adventure Time. <laughs> <laughs> now that our poli sci degrees have finally paid off. <laughs> yeah, this is paying off. It's so paying off because we have all those uh, sponsorships from Caspit Mattresses. Caspit Mortelsons. And blue, our red pinafore meal delivery service. And LaCroix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, LaCroix. Send us cases of coconut LaCroix please oh my god we'll do whatever you want anything (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so finn has this this moral issue now because the ice king is saying like you've basically you've arrested me without cause and i deserve due process Uh and jake is willing to let it slide like i don't know who cares (laughs) yeah he's a bad dude yeah he did something he's done bad things before yeah, so they let the ice king go, and they lock themselves in the cell. Uh, and well, I Finn locked them lock. both in the cell because yeah. And Jake's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I love that the ice king does a 
a spell to find the hidden door that just blasts a hole in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and then Princess Bubblegum comes from a hidden door. Hang on, I'm letting Nala in from the catio and she's um she doesn't know how to get in the house right now. There we go. <laughs> uh cats are dumb. So uh then Princess Bubblegum explains that the ice cream flew like he buzzed the candy kingdom and made snow fall from his beard. Which is disgusting. Yeah. So everybody was like playing in his beard flakes. <laughs> Eating them. Came, yeah, it came down with uh freezer burn flu so all the candy people are lying in the like the great hall of the castle on triage sick beds mm-hmm. covered in ice and the only thing that will break the, the fever is the pained howls of the ice king so um princess bubblegum riding <laughs> um rainicorn mm-hmm I got it right that time. Yeah. Um, go and ask the Ice King for his whales. Um, and that's when he does nothing because he says no. Yeah. He just talks about how like, oh, you're really into me now. Because <laughs> he uh, is delusional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he does nothing. That's why she needs Finn and Jake to beat the tar out of him. But... Um, Finn wants to find a happy medium uh, of getting the Ice King to give his whales voluntarily. <laughs> Do you think that he did that? Or he, he manipulated the Ice King. He didn't get like the benevolent like, okay, I'll save all the Candy Kingdom. He, he, manip- he tricked him into giving up his whales. Yeah, because the Ice King um it indicates that Finn and Jake, because they let him escape from prison, are his bosoms. <laughs> By which he, of course, means bosom buddy, but he just calls them his bosoms. Uh, so Finn and Jake show up, and Finn's like, hey man, I'm ready to be your bosom. Is you he how... bosom or bosom? Bosom, I don't know. But he said, you know how best friends are always wailing in pain for each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then the ice king gets all giggly. And he, he can't do it. So Finn says that the he's going to die because the ice king won't do this for him. So he plays dead. The ice king wails and the curse is broken. They have, and a, then, they have a, some sort of amplification device that takes it from the ice king's um, castle and projects it over the candy, candy kingdom. Right. And then Finn... Um, Finn is so sad because after the Ice King is done wailing, he tells his penguins to just throw Finn's carcass out the window. <laughs> he was over it like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they, um, everyone's okay. Yeah. And it's funny and it's fun. And it really, um, I think it relates a little bit to the, um, Marceline episode we watched last time where um, they are given instructions to do a thing without the full reasoning behind doing a thing and they have to wrestle with themselves about whether or not it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. They um, trust Princess Bubblegum pretty implicitly so they don't question it until after the fact when it starts to become like uh, oh wait like 
why exactly if he did nothing is is he in prison now <coughs> are you coughing to tell me to stop being frustrating no i think it's just something in my throat <laughs> i'm trying not to <laughs> i'm trying so hard have you seen the most recent episode or the uh, most recent season of <coughs> <laughs> the unbreakable kimmy schmidt no i haven't and there's no mute button on this on this app um <laughs> a couple of different characters end up saying words incorrectly or adding like um like slangy midsections to words like instead of saying for sure saying for shizzle or i don't know that's just that's probably not one of them but uh they all <laughs> they all do it by accident because they've accidentally got bees stuck in their throat <laughs> so right now to me you have a bee stuck in your throat that could very well be the case <laughs> Get some greens on your windows. <laughs> uh, the squirrel ripped the screen up. So the bugs get in. Kingsley ripped up the screen on my bedroom window. So this episode, it's fun. Yeah, they are both fun. Good episode. I think it, we're, we're starting to establish Princess Bubblegum as, as a multidimensional character. Mm-hmm. Who is prone two fits of wrath but cares for her people very much mm-hmm. like any good leader mm-hmm. full of wrath and care <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well anything else to say on the adventure time episodes just that it's fun and i love adventure time um i we're, we've got two more episodes in this season Mm-hmm. And then we'll get into season two, and the first two episodes of season two are both ones that I'm looking forward to. And I cannot remember anything about season two of Sex in the City right now, except for what Jezebel has reminded me of season two. And hey, guess what? It's uh, problematic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, surprise. Um, so uh, with that... Um, Let's quickly discuss what in pop culture is getting our attention right now. I am still perusing The Gift of Fear. Which at perusing, I'm I'm reading it when I have time. Did we talk about this last time? Yeah, we did. Uh, I can't remember. We did. Because I, I remember saying that it's all about like listening to your intuition oh and it's really stuff that i i picked up from from my years with marcy and was uh, this the book they gave you at graduate or when you completed women's strength mm-hmm. yeah Sorry, i didn't remember the title yes i remember now yep so still doing that uh, i'm working on a new cross stitch mm-hmm. that is a pop culture reference Ooh. Mm-hmm. we should post some mirror cross stitches to the twitter Oh, sure. Yeah, we can do I, that. I should give you the login information, too, so you can post it. No, these. I don't want that responsibility. Uh, the responsibility is just I don't being, care. I'm not going to do it. There's nothing. I'm not doing it. It's being, I'm not doing it. Can I just tell you what I do? No. Taylor retweets us, and that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. That's about it. He's the only person who interacts with it. And the, I, I run multiple social media accounts. I just don't want to do another one. So... As I will have said many times by now, if anybody says like, hey, I am going to follow your Twitter or anything, 
anything that interacts with us. Facebook, I don't give a shit. Anybody who interacts with us, I will write a poem. I will write a poem about you. And I'm not even going to like wait till people ask for a poem at this point. I am so bored. And we have so few people interacting with us on social media that I'm just going to do it. Yeah, but we have a lot of lurkers from our office. Yeah. And I don't know how into Twitter they are. Like, I know Lisa was on Twitter for like five minutes. And that's the end of the list. I don't know if anybody else is on Twitter. Come into the light lurkers. Send us however you communicate a fax or a messenger pigeon. (laughs) Uh, Show yourselves. Show yourselves. Every day that you don't speak out against this podcast, you're complicit. Oh, my God. We've been doing this for like three months now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What are our lives? We still don't have any sponsorships, and we still don't have any podcasting equipment. We have podcasting equipment. We have phones. Yeah, we have this app. Yep. And it's working just fine. Mm -hmm. Except for it erased 15 minutes that we recorded two days ago. I don't know what happened there. That's okay. (laughs) Those 15 minutes weren't very good. They were fine. Um, None of the 15 minutes at any given point are any good, really. So It's true. And we spent so much time talking about sex in the city this episode. Well... Um, the offer still stands to make next episode just an Adventure Time episode. No, we'll just, we'll keep. It'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Your funeral. Unless, I mean, if we need a, if we need a mini episode, then we can just do two Adventure Times and that'll be fine. Um, yeah. And I, uh, have thought about maybe doing solo episodes during the middle of the week where I read a fanfic or something like that um, and just talk to myself <laughs> uh, just to keep everybody excited <laughs> for this podcast I don't know I think they're excited about the way we talk to each other they can go find their own fanfics really they don't want to hear a woman with depression and a slight list just talk to herself constantly you can try it i i literally can't stop you uh you you can (laughs) i'm not going to i'm very weak i don't want that kind of power (laughs) Mm. uh um so your what are your pop culture um i have been watching the handmaid's tale but we've talked about that um yeah, it's not like we come up with just a bunch of new pop culture stuff every single week. We don't have time. Oh, I do have a thing. So I stand uh, corrected immediately. I forgot about it till right now because it just got introduced to me yesterday. I've known about this podcast for a while. I've heard the people featured on different podcasts before or like bumpers on different podcasts like networks. But the podcast Nancy which is uh, a podcast that focuses on um, kind of like LGBTQ culture. I just listened to the first episode that I listened to. I didn't, I've not like gone back and listened to the first episode ever, but um, I listened to the first one I had a chance to today and it was great. It's a very well produced podcast. And they were talking about how um, queer culture is represented in Disney, usually by like overly dramatic and effeminate villains. Um, 
to kind of like help juxtapose personalities against like the straight heteronormative romantic leads. And it was really like, yeah, I had heard that criticism of Disney before, but it was really well done the way that they presented it. And um, that podcast sounds solid and I cannot wait to listen to more episodes because it's like, they're great. It's great. Cool. Oh, um, I guess I listened to the band Moniker this week. Yeah. M-O-N-A-K-R. They just have like some singles and uh, like an EP on Spotify. But I really enjoy them. I think it's very good. Like get into your drive home or or work on Excel music. Huh. Oh, and I learned some new stuff in Excel this week. It's really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, broke out uh, some hexadecimal stuff, color coding. You're already ahead of me. So far ahead of me. Um, I don't think we said it last time. If we did, I can't remember that we did. Um, but happy Pride, everyone. Yeah. Um, we are both people who uh, are, I think, strong allies towards the people, at least in our lives, who are um, queer um, or queer adjacent. Um, I am a non-practicing bisexual. A practicing? <laughs> uh, oh. Non-practicing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I just I like girls. You're a you're a cello bisexual. Yeah, I guess that's probably the best way to put it. Um, Rachel McAdams was my favorite lady, favorite celebrity. Anyway, I'm bi. Now everyone knows. There you go. Um, Happy Pride. I am like uh, established bisexual, and now everyone knows. Yeah, and I think more than in previous Pride months, I think this year is the year that people who are bi are really trying to gain visibility because a lot of straight people and queer people are like, bi is a fake thing. Oh, um, I'll give a shout out to my friend Aaron. He is a fellow and he is uh, an open, openly bisexual man because bi men have very little visibility. I think there's a big stigma. I think that's very um, accepted amongst women to be bi, but men is like not generally re- received right. well. So um, everybody who is out and open, I'm so proud of you. Everybody who is not comfortable being open, I support you. And if anybody ever wants to talk to me, I don't know why you would because I'm not like the best person but like i am a supporter and i appreciate that everybody's journey is different second okay anything else no i want to go eat some pizza now that's fair yeah i'm hungry all right well thank you for um listening to sex time we can be found on twitter at sex time pod and there is a um, Sex Time Podcast Facebook page, which apparently has 18 new interactions this week. Thank you so much for listening to Sex Time, sponsored, hopefully soon, by LaCroix. And even if um, LaCroix never sponsors us, we will continue to buy LaCroix because we can't not. That's how I stay hydrated. <laughs> <laughs>
thank you so much. And we'll be back next time um, with more of our lively banter and criticisms of terrible television. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.